Welcome to the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike O'Kelly. Today is Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend and we're barreling through February. It is uh, remarkable how quickly time is flying in 2023. Hopefully, <clears throat> you've got your sales processes down and you are ready to go. If not, I can help with that. Reach out to me for a free strategy session. I offer that up to anybody who is listening, or you can pass this on to somebody else if they are struggling as well. Free strategy session, You know, listen to what you're up against, come up with a plan. And if it makes sense to partner together, work together later, we can do so. I have two programs running right now where I have uh, clients. The, that is the Sales Builder Academy. That's if you have any change. You're new to sales, new to a product, new to an industry, new territory, anything that's brand new, and you have to start and build your way from the bottom up, I can help with that. And then also Sales Escape Plan. If you are in the point of your career where you're thinking about making a move, you're thinking about making a change. Let's discuss, I have done it and I've done it in several different ways. And there's a lot of things you can do. I can help with that. Map out the next year, two years, five years, what it looks like and get you into what you are passionate about. Because that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about passion. Life is too short not to be passionate. And so about what you do. So if you fall into either of those buckets, you know somebody to do, reach out Mike at survivingoutsidesales.com. I'm sorry, Mike at survivingoutsidesales, my email, no.com. Uh, Mike at survivingoutsidesales. I had .com on the mind because my website is almost complete and that is going to be the hub. All of my resources are going to be there, free resources. Um, that's how you can communicate with me. You can reach out to me. It's almost done. been working on it. It's been a labor of love and it should be done in the next two to three weeks. So I'll let you know about that. But for right now, just Mike at survivingoutsidesales.com. So talking about passion when you are selling. In order to be great, you have to be passionate about what you are selling and you have to believe it. You have to live it. I recommend always being a product of your product. Sometimes that's not the case. But if you can be a product of your product, and the reason why is you'll have firsthand account of the success of whatever product or service you are describing or you are pitching to a prospect. Instead of getting examples from somebody else, you can say, this is the, this is what I felt going in. This is what I found after doing this. And you can discuss that and it's very powerful and, but you have to be passionate. You really do. You can't just go through the motion. You can sell a product you don't believe in for a while, but after a year, maybe two years, it's really going to drain on you mentally, physically, it's going to wear you down. It really will. I've done that before. I've sold products I really didn't believe in. They weren't that great. They didn't work well, but the pay was good. So I justified in my mind, I was doing the right thing. But you have to be passionate about what you are doing. You have to be passionate about what you're providing and the outcomes that you are giving to other people through your product or service. And I'm going to tell you where it all flipped for me. I was new to sales. I was working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car back in the early 2000s. And I kind of started, I mean, I, I kind of still had one foot in baseball from the mindset I hadn't gotten over the fact that I was no longer going to play baseball. For those of you who are listening right now, I played minor league baseball for two seasons uh, right, out of, right out of college, and I just kept getting released. I just, I wasn't good enough. 
but I was good enough that I could have kept playing. I could have found somewhere to play. I was good enough to continue to get paid. I was still good enough to go out there and play professionally, but it just wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't making any money. In fact, people say, how much money did you make when you were in the minors? I was like, nothing. Monthly, when I was with the Braves, it was about $900 a month pre-tax. And you think about the hourly wages. I mean, it was something crazy, uh, you know, 25 to 30 games a month. So each game I was making $3, <laughs> no, $30, I'm sorry, $30, but we'd be out the field for about eight hours during the day. So when you really broke it down, we were making about $3 an hour. And so that's not a lot of money, you know, pre-tax, that's not a lot of money. Uh, and I, but I, I, I wanted to move on with my life, but my body, my soul was still in baseball. So I wanted to get into pharmaceutical sales and my dad reached out to some recruiters and they said, if you've got no sales experience and you've got a gap between college and trying to get a job, you're going to have to go to like the copier enterprise, one of those routes. Because, you know, fresh out of college, they're willing to give you a chance. But if you haven't been, which makes no sense to me. I mean, I've been in the real world. I was running a bar uh, at the beach. I've I've been working. But I guess in the mind of some recruiters, they want you to come straight out of the studying, the routine, et cetera. But I, I don't know. I don't know that world. But anyway, so, okay, I went enterprise route and got the job. And it was just, it was so different from what I was doing. I was an athlete. Um, I, I'm a night owl by design and I'm used to staying up all hours of the day. And then when I was in the bartending in the service industry, some nights I wouldn't get home to about four 30 in the morning after a shift. And all of a sudden now I've got to be at my branch at seven o'clock in the morning. That was a culture shock. The fact that I still was staying up till 11 o'clock at night, midnight, but then I had to be at the branch at seven o'clock in the morning and it was more structured. It was Monday through Friday and then every other Saturday. That was a culture shock. And so I go in and I'm not really all in when I started my sales career. I wasn't all in. It was just kind of, well, I kind of want to get into sales and I can't keep doing the bar thing. I need to you know, be more quote unquote corporate, more professional. That's what I kept hearing. That's what people kept telling me. That's what my parents were kind of pushing me towards, but it wasn't like they pressured me, but I was like, all right, it's time to get on with my life. I don't want to be Peter Pan and just, uh, you know, be a boy for the rest of my life. I, I need to be grown up. I need to be an adult. And so I go to work at enterprise and I kind of go through the training. And I, like I said, I had one foot in one foot out and I was at one of the busiest branches in Charlotte. This place was crazy. This was in, uh, the university area, North Tryon of Charlotte. And it was one of the, it was the, I think the second largest store in town at the time. And there was like 12 employees. I had three managers. I had two assistant managers and I had a branch manager and people were lined up at the door ready for us to open every morning. So you can imagine like you're driving into work, it's like 7am and you see there's about a dozen people standing outside at the door waiting for you to open the doors at 730 and you kind of have that sinking feeling like, oh man, this is, you don't even get like a, you don't even get like a buffer time. It is like the minute it hits 730, it's time to sell. It's time to go. And it's crazy. I mean, if you haven't gone through that experience, it's wild. Talk to anybody, you know, that's worked at enterprise. It's wild. Um, and 
But for the first six months, I was kind of just going through the motion and I was really struggling. I was really, really struggling. And they had had high hopes for me. You know, the I was an ex-athlete. The regional vice president and the regional rental manager really liked me. And so I remember going out to lunch one day and the regional rental manager kind of said, what's going on? You don't seem very engaged, whatever. And this really changed my life. Um, this gentleman's name was Todd Adamitis. I don't know where Todd is today, but he changed my life forever. And I am utterly grateful. Um, Todd sat down and said, you know, what's going on? Like he, he sought to understand what my issues were. And I said, well, Todd, you know, when I started, I, I, there was all these promises of getting trained. There were all these promises of development. There were all these promises of a lot of things. But when I show up at the branch, all I do is I pick up customers, I wash cars, and then I, I do tickets and that's it. That's all I do. And then answer phones. I was like, I haven't learned anything about the business. I haven't learned anything. It's been six months. I haven't learned anything. So Todd transferred me to a slower branch. And that changed my entire arc of my career. And I really do appreciate what Todd did. He kind of got me out of that turnstile. And because while I was there, in the six months that I was at this branch, branch manager left, two of the assistants left. So now all of a sudden I have three new managers that are coming in, new personalities doing things. There was just a lot of change. There was a lot of chaos. So Todd pulled me out of the chaos, but that wasn't when it turned around. At that new branch, I'll always remember this. I don't remember her name. I think it was, her name was Alicia, but Alicia came in and she was going to rent a car because she was going to go back to um, her homecoming. This was in the fall of whatever year, 2004, 2003, and she was going to go back to homecoming and for her school. And she went to Norfolk State. And I knew Norfolk State. I had gone to William & Mary and we played Norfolk State in baseball. So we started talking about Norfolk State, Tidewater, the 757, et cetera. And we kind of, you know, got along really well. And I remember asking her, and one of the things that we sold Enterprise was the coverages, you know, the the rental insurances. And, and it tracked. Enterprise would track every ticket, how much you sold, if there was an upsell, everything was measured, everything was tracked. And so I asked her, I, you know, and I kind of just said, hey, do you want us to have the coverage? I didn't try to pitch her. I didn't explain to her. I did not do my job properly. I said, do you want us to cover it? And she was like, well, my credit card should cover it, right? And I said, well, yeah, it could. And I really just kind of didn't give it a second thought. I, I was going through the motions. Again, I still had one foot in, one foot out. I wasn't bought in yet. And I didn't do my job properly because I did not inform her of what would happen. You know, she said, well, my credit card will cover me and blah, blah, blah. And then I have insurance. And I said, okay. So she went on, got a little um, blue Chevy. I think it was blue, maybe red Chevy Cavalier. And about two hours later, after I put her in the car, maybe two, two and a half hours later, she calls the branch. Oh my gosh. I drove off the road and I got into an accident. What do I do? So I asked my manager, my manager goes through the whole process and he says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Monday, she comes back to walk into the branch and she's just bawling. She's crying. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, like, how was your weekend? She goes, it was ruined. 
I got into an accident. Some car ran me off the road in front of me. They veered over and I veered off the road. And then she starts telling me her insurance won't cover it. And I was like, wait, what? My insurance company said I did not inform them that I was getting a rental car. They're not covering it. My credit card would only pick up what my insurance company didn't cover, but my insurance company had to cover something for my credit card to cover. That means the car was damaged about $9,000, which was then deemed a total loss. She was on the hook for the entire thing. At that moment, my heart dropped to my stomach. It dropped to the floor of my stomach. It was the worst feeling to this day. Like it, it, it makes me almost a little nauseous thinking about what she had to go through. And she was just upset. A couple weeks later, she comes back in the branch and I think she dropped off a form and the form was given to our branch manager and our branch manager had to sign it. And it was some type of form about the payment plan that she was going to be on. She was going to have to pay for the next 10 years, something crazy, like $200 a month or something like that. $200 a month or $300 a month for either five, seven, or 10 years. I can't remember the duration, but she had to pay for the whole thing out of pocket. It was like a $20,000 vehicle. She was going to have to pay for the whole thing out of pocket. And she was put on a payment plan. She was 23 years old. So for most of her twenties and possibly the beginning of her early thirties, she was going to have to rent a car. She was going to have to pay for a car that she drove for two and a half hours for the next 10, five to 10 years. It was so long ago, the details are starting to get fuzzy as far as the, the Uber specifics, but it was several hundred dollars a month for the next five to 10 years. And on top of that, she was not allowed to rent from enter- enterprise until the, the debt was paid. She was put on something called DNR, do not rent. And every enterprise branch across the country, that message would popped up, would pop up when it was associated with her driver's license number. That was the moment my entire sales career changed because up until that point, I thought that the coverage was a nice to have after that. Oh my gosh. I was 100% bought in to what we were doing as a company, which was literally, if you sign up for a rental car and you get the cut, the insurance, or you get enterprise to cover the vehicle. You can wrap that wrap that car around a tree, and come in and hand the keys, and you can walk away scot free. That is pretty powerful when you think about it. You're driving a vehicle that's not yours; it's used, so you don't know who drove it before. Yes, it's in good working order; it's had an oil change, but you don't. You're not familiar with the blind spots. You're not familiar how it merges. And usually a lot of people that would come in to rent, they were renting larger vehicles. They had a sedan. They wanted to rent a minivan or an SUV because they wanted to go to the beach, et cetera. It's a vehicle that's not familiar to them. Just like that Chevy Cavalier was not um, was not familiar to, um, to her. After that, my entire world completely changed how I viewed it. It became my mission 
to make sure before you left, you completely understood what responsibility you had, what options you had. And I really laid on that future state. I let them know what would happen. And yes, if you're listening right now, yes, your insurance might cover. But here's the thing they don't tell you. Here's what the insurance company doesn't tell you. And here's what the fine print on a rental car contract doesn't tell you. And I would tell people this. Look, here's the deal. I'm not saying you're a bad driver, but there are other drivers out there and you can't control them, correct? And they would say yes. Even if it's not your fault, because this is not your vehicle, we have to collect your deductible. Now, you can get that deductible back. So there's no money out of your pocket in the long run. But here's what happens. We still have to file with your insurance. That's going to make your premiums go up. And people said, wait a minute, if I rent a car and somebody hits me, my insurance is going to go up? And I said, yes, because this is a third-party vehicle. This is not your vehicle. You are renting this vehicle. So this vehicle, whenever you're driving a car that belongs to somebody else, even if you are involved in an accident and somebody hits you from behind, um, it's you're not deemed at fault. Because it's not your vehicle, it goes. It starts with your insurance. You're the driver. Your insurance follows you wherever you go. But that's the bad part. It follows you wherever you go. Unless you get the coverage with Enterprise or any rental car company, then your insurance does not cover the vehicle. The company that you run it from, in this case, Enterprise, covers the vehicle. You can walk away scot-free because we are assuming the risk while you're driving, no matter what happens. And there were three levels of coverage. There was one just for the damage of the car. There was also one for damage to the car and damage to other cars. And then there was one for personal liability. You know, if there's any injuries, et cetera, while you're in the vehicle, we all enterprise would also cover that. So there were three different types of coverages. Just so you know, to this day, I have not worked in the rental car industry since 2008. Do you want to know how bought in I am? I buy the coverage every single time that I rent a car. No question asked. I want the coverage because I have seen time after time after time insurance companies deny coverage of a rental car when they tell them, they tell people, oh yeah, you've got rental car coverage, no big deal. And then there's some little loophole. There's some little small thing. So from that point, I was bought in. And I sold the crap out of that coverage because I talked about the PPF, the past, the present, and the future state of what was going to happen. Now, did everybody that I presented this to and I walked them through the process, did every single person purchase it? No. But to make the awards dinner, you had at least 40% or higher of the people that you talked to, you sold coverage to. And I made a lot of sales awards. In fact, there was one month where I did almost 65% sales. That's two out of every three people. Why? There's one reason, because I was bought in. I was passionate about what I was providing, the service that I was providing. And here's the kicker. People think when you sell something to somebody and you get more money out of them, they're not going to be satisfied. That is 100% incorrect. In fact, we did internal enterprise had internal numbers at the time and found that when you sold coverages to somebody, they were more satisfied because they had risk-free driving. They had a higher satisfaction rate with the rental because they didn't care. If anything happened, okay, here you go. Here are the keys. You guys deal with it. 
And so the branches that I ran, our coverage was higher because I taught everybody this passion. I got them to believe in this. Our package numbers were higher. And that's what's called the insurance covers called packages. Our package numbers was higher, but our customer scores were the highest in the region. Because it's not an inverse relationship. It's not a net relationship, net zero, where it's uh, the money goes up and the satisfaction goes down. If you do it the right way, if you're passionate about it, if you explain everything to people and you pull them to the future state. That was the day that completely changed. So right now, telling this whole long story about my beginnings of my sales career, what I'm doing today in 2023, I am passionate about. I am very passionate about doing this podcast. I'm very passionate about coaching the next generation of sales leaders. And I'm also passionate about finding sales uh, professionals, sales pros, sales uh, veterans that have been out there pounding the pavement for decades, find their way in the next phase of their life. Because everybody, again, everybody's going to go through the three phases of outside sales. Getting in is phase one. You got to get the job. Two is dominating. You've got to maximize the opportunities presented to you in the field, wherever you are. And then three, at some point, you're going to have an expiration date and you need to escape. You can't work in outside sales forever. For some people, it's in their 60s. Some it's in their 50s, 40s, 30s. But there is a time. It's it's always going to come for you. Are you prepared for the next phase in your life? Or are you going to get caught scrambling? Please don't get caught scrambling. If you're new, have any changes? Let's find that passion. One of the students that I was coaching, we found a passion. He, he was very disconnected to his product. And I just kept asking questions about what is this going to do for people? What would, what it's going to do for their businesses? And then I started connecting when people use your service and their revenue increases. Do you know what that's going to do for their family and their children? The, the lack of stress. He never thought about it that way. And a lot of companies don't talk about this. They just talk about the transaction, but they don't talk about what the transaction really truly means down the long run. That is where you can find your passion. I was talking with a guy, part of the sales escape plan, 20 years, medical devices, and he was really excited about coaching. He wanted to coach sports. He wanted to be involved with youth sports. And he really didn't have a chance to do that because he was busy being an executive in the medical device field. We're putting him on a path. We're putting him a plan in place so that he can do that in the next two to three years. Because some of these things don't happen overnight. And if you try to go it alone, you're going to be overwhelmed with the opportunities that are out there. You need a soundboard. You need a guide. Whether you're starting in the field or whether you are trying to exit the field, you need a guide. Find your passion and let's talk. Or if you need help finding your passion, it's another way to talk. But the great ones are passionate about what they do and the outcomes that they provide for their people. Thank you so much. Really do appreciate you listening. Again, reach out to me, Mike at Surviving Outside Sales. 
download this episode, share it with like-minded individuals, and uh, let's keep this conversation going. Really do appreciate everybody, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow on Surviving Outside Sales. Bye-bye.